Hey, me Falcha. Welcome to Ankrom Biha podcast for July 4th, 2023. Hello again. My name's Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back for another episode of news from around the world and an op-ed about something that may or may not be important to you, depending on what matters to you. This once-a-week podcast is being hosted on rss.com and is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. Once a week, I try to offer a few stories from news feeds and blog writers, blog writers from around the world that you may not have heard about yet, and some you may have. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Shanghai, a Gaelic storyteller, and I want this podcast to feel like we're sitting under the An Kron Biha, which is Gaelic for the Tree of Life, typically the village oak tree. Sitting under this digital tree together, I will read for you headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice pieces usually not found on the front pages and why I think these stories are relevant to the world we find ourselves in. This podcast is free to subscribe to for all who care to listen. I don't want money to stop you from listening. The purpose of this show is to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late to do anything about it. I do offer the option of donations and paid subscriptions within my blog articles, including a weekly newsletter with links to the articles I bring to listeners' attention at medium.com and substat.com, much like passing the hat at the end of my visit to your digital village to support my work here. Just to let you know, I'll be taking a break once I deliver the headlines to you. During this break, I do promote my website at Ankrombiha and my stories and articles published online in a short one to two clip but nothing too fancy. This week, I have stories about all the things I ran about, climate change, racism, LGBTQ, and, and injustices around the world, some politics that would affect the whole world, with an op-ed about American politics, and a humorous blog I'll read a part of to you to, as a teaser to entice you to read the whole thing using the link from my podcast newsletters. So without further ado, I'll bring you the headlines for this week. My first story for this July 4th the hidden, hidden underground lake in the center of the U.S. threatening farming by Robin White. This came out of MSN.com. And it's a story about the weather, but it came out of Newsweek. And it's talking about how the largest aquifer, this is a big underground lake in the middle of the United States, is starting to lose water due to the severe drought conditions out there. They've lost about two feet so far. But if things continue, it'll all be gone by the end of the next century. And it takes 6,000 years to replenish this with rainwater. So that's really bad news for the farmers and the ranchers in the U.S. A big section of the middle part of the United States depends on this. And if they lose it, we're done. My next article, and again, if you haven't figured it out, I'm leading off today with climate change articles. This article is entitled, Show This to Anyone Who Says Renewables Are Unreliable. Renewables are the only reason Texas Power Grid hasn't failed during this month's punishing heat wave, a grid expert tells Heated. This is by Ariel Samuelson, and this is from her website, Heated World, and it's all about renewable energy. So my take on this is, here's an in-your-face GOP Texans blog article about how renewable energy is saving the day in Texas with the current heat dome happening, despite the protests from the right that renewable energy is unstable and unreliable. 
The proof is in the pudding, as the old saying goes. And there have been several other articles here since this came out uh, about Texas, the, the Texas GOP railing against um, renewable energy and all that. But I'm telling you, it's saving their bacon right now. They just don't want to admit it because they're getting all our money from the fossil fuel people. And my next article, again, is another one here. Um, and this one is about misinformation. And it's a climate change article and about media disinformation. So this one it came from Heated World also uh, from Emily Atkin. Even mainstream news outlets are causing fake pizza panic. It's not just right-wing outlets spreading the false claim that New York City wants to regulate the carbon emissions of pizza ovens. So I included this to highlight the issue of misinformation going on all the world about everything. This is a follow-up to something she wrote on June 27th about New York City pizza oven smoke emissions and how the city wants to put filters on the smokestacks and chimneys to catch the solid particulates. Of course, everyone and their brother in the media in Western countries jumped all over this with misinformation. Deliberate? Maybe. Or maybe just lazy and not fact-checking as news companies used to do once upon a time. This applies not to just this issue and this news story, but nearly anything of note that come across the airways these days. And more, a little bit different segue into climate change. Biden's Forest Service dragging its feet on protecting ancient trees from logging by Chris D'Angelo. And I got this on June 29th. This came out of Canadian Sports and Yahoo News and various other news articles. It's a story about how the Biden Forest Service isn't too interested in saving any boreal forests in the U.S. The more about the profits from cutting down the ancient trees and the justification that cutting down all the trees will mitigate fires. Well, that's true in a horrible sense. No more trees, no more forest fires. Apparently they didn't get it. Or they're ignoring the order to save the trees from Biden's desk. Who can say? Follow the money. So here's the thing. You know, and I've got another article here, something about the Canadian forest fires. The idea is, well, if you, don't, if you, if you want to get rid of all the smoke, you let the trees all burn down. No trees, no fires, no smoke. Well, here's an article here about they're worried about trying to prevent forest fires, but cutting down all the trees. Well, same thing. No trees, no fires. But then what are we going to do about the carbon sinks? And this is a blog article that I picked up from Michael Campy. I mentioned him last week. Uh, he's a pretty good writer from California. And his article is entitled Holocaust. And it's in medium.com. The true cost of climate indifference. This is an older article he wrote back in September of 2022, but it still holds true today. Humans think they're so superior to any other creatures on the planet because we can make tools. The orcas would beg to differ lately. I disagree with this notion. The planet's ecosystem needs all of the creatures to live and thrive as part of one big ecosystem. Take one out and something else breaks. Humans can't, nor do they have the will to, manage the planet on their own. They're, they're trying to see how that, you know, they're trying, but see how that's working out for them. You know, here's the big thing. Humans, the human species is notorious for trying to mold the environment to suit their needs. Basically, model everything, do, cut everything, do everything, and to make themselves comfortable. And, of course, we know how it's destroying the ecosystems of the planet we live on. 
much to our detriment. But we we haven't figured that out yet. Well, we have, we just not enough of us. And that's that's a big issue. Now I'm going to get out of climate change and we're going to get into social injustices. And this next couple of stories have to do with the, the Native Americans, well, I want to say indigenous peoples in North America is a better term. Because this first article comes out of Canada. It's entitled, A War on Aboriginal Children, Alberta's 25 Residential Schools. Now, I got this out of CBC Canada, and it applies to the 25 indigenous residential schools just in the Alberta province. But it also encompasses all the other indigenous schools that the Christians employed across North America, in both the United States and in Canada. So this article, this article is from September of 2021 about the hundreds of indigenous children who died and were buried in unmarked graves at all the so-called Indian residential schools dating back to the latter part of the 19th century and long into the 20th in some cases. This is these were run by Christian churches, mostly the Catholic, and sanctioned by the government. This article only talks about the 25 schools in Alberta, as I mentioned, but, of course, there were a whole lot of them all over North America until about the mid-1970s. The U.S. also had a very very bad reputation in all this, but you rarely hear about their abuses. Sometimes, but it's very rarely heard about. Not, you know, not, and it's not near as much as Canada. Canada has got a big thing going on. So Trudeau's government is saying we're sorry way more than the Americans will ever do. But none of, the excuse, none of that excuses the atrocities committed by these churches all in the name of their benevolent God to erase the Indian out of the indigenous peoples by forcibly kidnapping their children, then torturing and killing them. Then, add, then to add more abuse, not telling anyone, so the families never learn what happened to their children. How does this Christian behavior line up with the values taught by their prophet Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament? Well, I'd say it doesn't. And in my next story is entitled... A Merciless Reminder of Indigenous History on July 4th by Russell Contreras. And this came out of Axios.com today. This article talks about how the indigenous peoples of the Americas don't have a lot to celebrate on July 4th. It's just a reminder of what they lost to the Europeans who invaded their lands and took everything from them. That and the atrocities and the theft of the lands and cultures who were enshrined in the Constitution by Thomas Jefferson as a rallying call against the British who are using Native American tribes to fight against the insurrectionists to the crown. And the big thing about this article is it talks about how indigenous peoples do have celebrations of a kind here on July 4th, but it's more about celebration of what they lost and to make sure that nobody forgets all of that. A lot different than what Americans are celebrating. And then here's an article out of Canada that I picked up. Canada has achieved something remarkable, remarkable, but forces threaten to tear us apart. There's much work left to be done, but Canada is an oasis of multicultural harmony in an increasingly fictitious world by Harun Siddiqui, special to the Star, the Toronto Star newspaper. And I picked this up on July 1st. It's a, it's a feel-good story from Canada on their Canada Day holiday. The author talks about the now 40 million citizens living in Canada due to all the recent open-door policies on immigration there. But not all is a bed of roses. 
There are a lot of homophobes and racists up there who are making their presence known. And a bunch of nationalists who are all against the others immigrating and taking up spaces reserved for Canadians who have always been there. But overall, he applauds all the new people and their achievements, like the new mayor of Toronto, who is Cantonese. And that's, to me, that's a model for the Americans. They're embracing that, and the Americans are not so much. My next article comes from Ireland, and this came out of BBC.com by Chris Page. He's the Ireland correspondent there. Unmarried mothers repatriations. I should have never been in Ireland. Another sad story about the Catholic Church, this time from the UK. There's been a long-running scandal from the Irish Republic about the atrocities carried out against unwed mothers for hundreds of years. They were sent to special homes in Ireland where the mothers were punished and babies taken away to be adopted by proper Catholic families. A lot of times the children were abused because of where they came from. Apparently, according to this story, it also applied to Catholic unwed mothers in England as well, who were coerced and kidnapped to be sent to these homes out of sight, out of mind, until until the church got caught with their pants down. And people wonder what I have against the Catholic Church. And yes, this has been a scandal for some years now, uh, when they found out about all these dead children, unmarked graves, and all the abuses that the Catholic nuns and priests carried out against unwed mothers and their children. Really, really bad stuff for them over there. And then this one. This, is com- this comes back across the ocean of the United States. The U.S. government must provide care to its torture victims. The Biden administration has promised to support torture survivors. That means it should not forget Guantanamo detainees by Sarah Gannett. She's assistant federal public defender in the District of Arizona. And I got this one out of aljazeera.com. So I brought this up once before about the United States is telling the world that they will enforce the rule of law, but only when it suits them. So here we another, have another opinion piece come out of after the UN Special Rapporteur Fionola Nialan come out with her report about the torture and abuses of Gitmo detainees. Basically, Biden and company could care less what the U.N. thinks. They will continue to bury these men until they die. They might as well just put them in front of a firing squad and just tell tell anybody. Even if word got out, what would the U.N. and a world court do? Tell the U.S. bad boys, don't do it anymore and slap their hands? Pretty much what they've done in the past. And this one here is an L... It's sort of kind of LGBTQ, but it's also about hacking. And I don't know, it's kind of a mixture of things. The article is entitled Gay Furries Group Hacks Agencies in U.S. States Attacking Gender Affirming Care. Data released by Siege Sec, name of the hacking group, from six states includes South Carolina police files and contact details for Nebraska court officials. And I got this out of the Guardian.com U.S. News by Jason Wilson a small, somewhat back-page article about a group of hackers who have decided to wage cyber warfare warfare on states that are passing laws against gender-affirming care. Texas appears to be their number one target. They will probably get caught eventually, but the message is starting to become clear. LBGTQ plus people are starting to fight back now. Missouri teachers who want to change jobs face suspensions and $10,000 penalties. This came out of St. Louis Public Radio, by Danny Wisentowski. And I got this from www.kcur.org. 
in their education section. And it's a local story coming out of Missouri that had been picked up by NPR a few days ago. Under Missouri law, teachers who break their contracts can have their license suspended and fined. This is due to the massive teacher shortage. And they wonder why they have a shortage. Who would want to sign a contract in a red state under those conditions? And now I'm going to come across the country and back to Florida. Florida immigrants detail their exit following DeSantis immigration law. I had to leave. And then documented my immigrant who built a business and a life in Tampa is one of the many who have, who have left. They just don't want us here, he said. I got this out of NBC News. And this is from Anagilmera Vilches Noticias Telemundo. And I'm thinking that's a newspaper, Noticias Telemundo. This story came out a few days ago about immigrants leaving Florida in droves over the new laws there. They feel like they have no choice anymore, which is leaving businesses seriously shorthanded, and it's only, to get, only going to get worse there. This man wants to be president? Pretty scary. And another, this is an LGBT, LGBTQ article. The war on LGBTQ people being waged in rural America. Pride should be about celebration and protest. For many this year, especially in rural America, it's also about fear. And I got this out of NewRepublic.com by Jason Kyle Howard. It's an LGBTQ article centered in Appalachia about ignorance and confrontations taking place all over rural America, mostly due to misinformation and ignorance. This year's Gay Pride Month has brought a lot of fear because of all the hate rhetoric on social media and TV news, especially from Fox News. The good news is that the folks in the, in the parades aren't backing down that much anymore. Does that mean more violence ahead? Well, I certainly hope not. And now that Pride Month is completed, sort of, kind of, you know, most of this is going to go back to normal. But will some of these rural people have a, a, a short memory or a long memory? Time will tell. And then I've got a good story about the LGBTQ Pride Month. And this from Daniel Wu in the Washington Post. At his first pride parade, a recovering bigot told people, I'm sorry. A nice story about a man from the Texas Panhandle who realized that gay people aren't the scary people he had been led to believe. And he watched a pride parade in Colorado where he held up a sign saying, he is a recovering bigot, he's sorry, and he likes hugs. And it's a really good story about a gentleman who realized that all the lies and misinformation he had been told in, back in the Texas Panhandle had no bearing whatsoever, and he had a sign he's you know in a wheelchair sitting sitting on a sidewalk alongside a pride parade uh, where he was visiting relatives and saying that he was sorry and he is a recovering bigot and telling people he he doesn't mind hugs which a few of those folks that were walking in a parade obliged to. Key document may be fake in LGBTQ plus rights case before the U.S. Supreme Court. Christian website designer says she received email requests from same-sex couple, but author says he didn't send it, and he's not gay. And this came out of theguardian.com. So it looks like the ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom Group, is so bent on pushing their Christian agenda before the Supreme Court they're falsifying documents, in this case, an email, just to have themselves heard in one of the largest public venues in the land. What's next? The next is the Supreme Court decided for the website, website designer, setting a precedent that will 
precedent that will mirror across the country and likely into, likely into Canada as well. Now businesses can refuse LGBTQ customers at will. And there's been a lot of follow-up articles on this that now they've opened the door to allow businesses to basically refuse service to anybody they don't like, not just LGBTQ people. And a lot of folks from the African-American and Latino communities are saying, well, is this, is this a sign of, of the times to come? Are we going to start seeing signs in the window saying only white people are allowed in the store, white straight males are only allowed in the store, and so on? Well, you know, that's the big question of the day, and I'm thinking there's going to be more coming about that. Republican opposition to LGBTQ rights erupts in backlash to Pride Month by Isaac Arnsdorf and Josh Dossey and Hannah Knowles in Washington Post. Throughout June, many Republicans, including presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis, have sharply criticized pride celebrations, and some have resurfaced fights over same-sex marriage. So their article coming on the last day of Pride Month telling about a story of how, due to all the public backlash coming from a minority, has caused the acceptance in around the world and how they, has caused acceptance around the world, and it's diminished. It's likely to continue to get worse, especially with the justices in favor of restricting civil rights now given to other citizens. Anyone with half a brain knows that's all in the lead-up to the U.S. presidential elections coming up in 15 months. Depending on which party wins, will have lasting implications on democracy and basic civil rights for all. And that's, again, you're going to see a lot more of this stuff coming out from these GOP presidential hopefuls, a couple more so than others. And I'm thinking that's going to be a big deal in the next few months. We'll have to see how that all turns out. These people really don't care how they get elected, as long as they get elected, and they'll say anything. And this is a story coming from the UK, from TheGuardian.com. Super rich warned of pitchforks and torches unless they tackle inequality. Global elite told at London's Savoy Hotel of real risk of civil disruption if more is not done to help struggling millions. And this came from Rupert Neat Wealth, Rupert Neat, the wealth correspondent there in London. It's a story I doubt you'll, you know, it's a story that I doubt you'll see in the United States. It's an appeal for the mega rich to give more money to the philanthropies to help the poor. The American mega-rich could care less about any other than themselves and their immediate families. They don't even care about the word they're leaving for their grandchildren, as they think their money will insulate them from heart. Not. As I said last week, when the ecosystems of the planet finally collapse, no one will be safe, not even the rich living in their fancy bunkers. Here's another one from the UK, and this is really doesn't have much to do with climate change or LGBTQ. Uh, it's a little bit about politics. Orkney could leave UK for Norway as it explores alternative governance. Island Council leader cites deep cultural relationship as authority considers a report that also examines the status of the Channel Islands and the Faroes. And it came out of theguardian.com. And I mentioned this very thing in a post to a newsletter from a UK journalist on Substack last week. More and more English colonies are starting to look for economic options as Britain collapses. As it says here in the article, Orkney once belonged to Norway until a Danish princess married a Scottish royal back in 1472. Orkneys in the islands were part of their diary. 
Orkney wants Orkney, Orkney wants to explore its Nordic connections. Now you know now because the UK seems to be failing in their duties to provide the services they promised. Although they are just ta- talking strongly about it for now, the Scottish is the Scottish MSP is is all for it if Orkney, Guernsey, Jersey, and the Isle of Man decide to petition Norway to return to them as Nordic colonies. As I told the English journalists and her followers, there may be there may come a time very soon when Bonnie Prince Charlie will be the king of nothing. Institutional racism contributed to deaths of three indigenous women, Queensland coroner founds, and this is an article from the Guardian out of Australia. It's about how the provincial health care system in Queensland has admitted to institutional racism and the deaths of three First Nations women, young women over a treatable heart disease. This is a lesson for North America, but will they listen? Not bloody likely. Affirmative action is done. Here's what else might change for school admissions. Civil rights groups plan to challenge the advantages children of alumni receive in the admission process. And this came out of political news by Bianca Quillentine. In, there's been a lot of articles here about the affirmative action uh, being a done, away, done away with by the American Supreme Court. And by and large, it, a lot of people are saying, well, it's not really going to affect a lot of things here in the United States. And I was reading an article this morning by one of my favorite medium writers. And she talks about how, you know what, if all the African-American black people and Latinos don't like what's being done or, 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 or they're being excluded to these uh, private white schools around the country, well, they don't need them. There's plenty of plenty of very well-done schools in the United States that cater to African-Americans and Latinos and stuff. They can just go there and get their other education. They don't need to go to Harvard and Yale. Let the white people have them. The big thing is colleges can go back to the good old days, selecting candidates to their schools based on money and not diversity. They probably won't too much, but they, a lot of them, maybe they will. You know, donors, kids, rich alumni, high school sports star of certain skin scholars, you know, skin colors and so on. So why would the U.S. consider that public schools are failing everywhere for for the intellect to get in isn't fair anymore? So basically what that means is you can't, you can't, these schools will not take you by skin color. They're going to do it meritoriously based on your um, school grades and things like that. So the big thing is it hasn't been fair for a really long time, maybe never. No junior colleges and a search for any college will let you in, maybe. The prestigious ones can go back to being just for the privilege again, like they were before the 1960s. And that's what I was saying earlier. Maybe Harvard and Yale and all these Princetons and all these other schools can go back to the way it was back when, you know, back in the old days and let them go. There's plenty of colleges that will let these kids in. They don't have to worry about it anymore. They're probably a lot cheaper. And I've got the I've got an, a a blog article on, that kind of acts about that a little bit. Um, it's by Charles Bastille in Medium.com. Affirmative action was racial stereotyping. That was the point. Blog article hits it pretty well on the head. Much like the previous news article I just mentioned from Politico, this decision to get rid of affirmative action will only help the rich elite. And as the author says here, college admissions by other than white applicants will become near zero before too long. Maybe that's by design. Is that what we're seeing here? A roll backwards of, you know, to Jim Crow, white supremacy by the GOP? 
Mitch McConnell's dream of a segregated U.S. is starting to be realized. And that's another article that I picked up from theadvocate.com. And the big thing about that one is a year from now, America's catchphrase will be, you're not welcome. It will be heard at colleges, storefronts, churches, restaurants, loan offices, bakeries, Chick-fil-A's, with a 21st century spin of access denied on apps and websites. White, straight, wealthy Christians informing the poor, people of color, and queer, you're not welcome. I quoted this from the first paragraph of the article because I, wouldn't, I couldn't say it any better. This is what the United States may look like in the red states within the next few years if something doesn't get turned around quickly. I still have my original window sign from 1915 made in Boston that says, Help Wanted, No Irish Need Apply, unquote as a reminder of just how racist the U.S. is and always will be. And here's another one that's a racist article. Why Republicans keep calling for the end of birthright citizenship. It's more than immigration by Martha Martha S. Jones. And I got this from theatlantic.com. Just, you know, I found it with a slightly different title, What the Birthright Citizenship Debate is Really About. And it's written by the same author. But what it amounts to is the GOP and by proxy the presidential candidates who want to do away with the part of the 14th Amendment that allows children born to immigrants automatic citizenship. They believe that stopping illegal immigrants from having legal children on American soil will curb illegal immigration. This is stupid. It violates the Constitution, but that's the point. They want to roll back the amendment and go back to the Dred Scott decision from 1857. Can we say white segregation? If you aren't white, you can't be a citizen anymore. Are we really going to go back to that? I hope not. And here's an article that's a really must-read article for everybody. He's, one of the, he's a very, very popular writer. His name is Umar Haig. And I'm, he hasn't really ever said so, but I believe, he's, I believe he's a Canadian. How much of American democracy did the Supreme Court just destroy? Supreme Court is systematically dismantling democracy in America, and it's worse than you think. It's a must-read, as I mentioned, it's a must-read article. It puts the Supreme Court decisions in a very succinct perspective and outlines in graphic detail what is coming for the citizens of the United States. We all know that the House of Representatives will do anything about any of this, as this is exactly what the GOP has been pushing hard for for decades, a caste system for the rich white Christian nationals being at the top of the pyramid. Again, you should really read this, and the link is going to be posted in my newsletter, which, again, newsletters are free to read. I encourage you to read these articles as much as I read the headlines to you. Men are hunters. Women are gatherers. That was the assumption, and a new, and a new study upends it. And again, I got this from July 5th, on July 1st, by Nurith Eisenman. And I got this from NPR.org. The big thing about this is changes from politics over to anthropology, if you want to call it that. And it's about a study that's, that was found. The myth about women not being as good as men in things like hunting and in ruling is BS. New or old, overlooked evidence in this case, finds out that women were just as capable of hunting big game as the men thousands of years ago. And in some cultures in Brazil, they still are. There have been numerous stories throughout the ages of women rulers who did quite well in their time. Queen Maeve of the Connaught people in Ireland, 
or Queen Botica of ancient Britain, to name just a couple. But there have been several other female rulers back in the day, and they were very, very capable people. And now we're talking about this anthropological study that has learned from stuff left behind in graves that women were very capable hunters. They probably still are right now. Just give them half a chance. The shrinking, and this is kind of a, a Christian political article, if you will. The shrinking Baptist convention is doubling down on the culture wars. The challenges facing the nation's largest Protestant denomination mirror those facing the GOP. And both would rather stick to their guns than shift course. And this came out of Politico.com. It's a magazine edition that talks about the recent convention in New Orleans last month. I mentioned it before because of their decision to ban churches from having female pastors. This article talks about that a little bit, but it's mostly about the shrinking church members around the country and the true believers' insistence of their values, despite their dwindling, dwindling influence and relevance around the country. There have been a lot of surveys in the last few years revealing that people are leaving these hard-right churches in the thousands and seeking spiritual meaning elsewhere. These Southern Baptists are mad now and trying to fight for their relevance in a changing world. And I, I have this next article. It's very specific to the United States and picked up a few days ago. And there's been a little bit about it. I still haven't seen anything in news about what the real motive was for this guy. Well, actually, he hasn't articulated that. Let's put it that way. But if you read, read the article, you can pretty much figure out what the deal was. Man with January 6th warrant arrested near Obama's house with weapons and explosive materials per reports by Emily, Emily Delater in USA Today. And the big thing about it, we have right-wing nut jobs running around the country thinking they can just assassinate public figures. I guess they figure they have permission to do so now with Trump and all this stuff going on. In this case, targeting former President Obama. Obama. Now, we all, we all know why, and that's part of what I was talking about. This, this ex-president, he's black. And the only reason this idiot decided, is probably the only reason he decided to do it, because he thinks he's going to be famous. And it's only going to get worse as we get closer to Election Day. Not that necessarily they're going to target ex-President Obama anymore, but some of these guys who were in on the January 6th, 2020-21 riot in, in the Capitol are now looking for reasons to be relevant, and they may start doing other silly stuff by trying to assassinate some either left-wing people or black people who are relatively famous in the news. My last story comes out of Canada. And this is kind of a good story for the Canadians. Canada's closer. How Trudeau's pitchman is outplaying America. In a volatile world, Francois-Philippe Champagne is making the case for boring and selling Canada one deal at a time. And this came out of Politico.com. Not to, I didn't get this from the CBC. I got this out of Politico. A story from Canada on how a Canadian industry minister is becoming a major player on the world stage of salesmanship, outdoing the Americans who seem to have invented the ultimate salesmanship in the first place back in the day. He's an aggressive pitchman going after Europeans to invest in Canada instead of the volatile U.S. and winning. Canada is starting to become a better investment for global enterprise, more so than the Americans, because he sells them on stability, something Americans can't do anymore. 
Another sign that the United States star on the global stage is waning. So that's the news stories I have for you this week. And it's time for me to take a wee break, and I'll be back in a couple of minutes. While I'm out, I've got something for you to listen to. So, And please stay tuned for my op-ed of the week in the second half of the show. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website on Crombieha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. In this website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my articles, teasers about my books, and a synopsis of the weekly podcast. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what An Krabiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to this podcast, my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my Medium.com and Substack.com articles, I have an option at the end of these articles and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and sign up for a subscription if you want. I also post a weekly newsletter as a follow-up to the podcast every week in both publications. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which I why I offer everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full pieces, though, even though I offer them for free, so just a heads up. Each article I write will be, avail- be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. I just don't have all the extra frills that you'll find on medium.com and substack.com or access to all the other great writers there. But at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are great choices to find out what you like most and dive in as much as you want. I hope to hear from you, whatever you decide. Welcome back to the second half of On Crombie Hop podcast. I normally don't delve into certain country-specific politics, but with all the bad things coming out of the United States last week, with more to come, I'm sure, I wanted to address the elephant in the room of U.S. politics, Donald Trump, mostly because none of the other potential candidates are even coming close to his star power. I read over the weekend that he held an election rally in some small town of South Carolina that drew in people by the thousands from all over the southeastern part of the country. He literally took over the town, much to the consternation of the local sheriff. The worst part was that it was an outdoor event, and all the rally-goers were subjected to, subjected to brutal heat and humidity, waiting to get in and waiting even more for Trump to show up. By the time King Donald finally did show up, quite a few had fallen out due to heat exhaustion or left just before they fell out. But the rest who stayed cheered loudly for their supposed savior. The article talks about all of the street vendors hawking water and food at astronomical astronomical prices and you know running at about $50 a spot for local parking. Of course, the Trump speech was all about how wrong he has been, how he's going to wipe out all the people who dare to go against him, and so on and so forth. Nothing much about how he's going to take care of the country if he gets elected again. And none of his rallies to date has he ever addressed the core issues of the American people, other, other than steering up more hatred of the Democrats and his election opponents. The worst part of all this, he is the front runner for the GOP primary at 51% to date of any of the other people in the Republican Party. None of the other runners are even close. That's the scary part. Anyone half, with half a brain knows what a despot he is. He's still trying to run that long con, which is to emulate Putin, Xi Jinping, Viktor Orban, and any of his other favorite dictators. He doesn't care about the American people. He never did. 
It's always been about he can fleece the stupid rural rubes in electing him over and over again so he can massage his ego. That and satisfy his billionaire donors. For him, it's all about how much more money you can make by wheeling and dealing behind the scenes, away from frying eyes. With all the trouble he's in over his past indiscretions, he is betting the farm on getting elected again to gain immunity or try to pardon himself, or so some pundits think. No matter the reasoning behind all of his rallying, it's definitely not for the benefit of the American public. Donald Trump is likely is like a county fair arcade barker. If he can convince enough rubes to give him what he wants, he walks away with their money and offers nothing in return, just like last time. Lots of promises, but little substance. If the United States doesn't want to end up a soft, fastest government in 2025, the majority of the people need to get up off their couches and easy chairs and do something about it. The Democrats need to come out with a stronger and better message. Show some backbone for once and stand up to these people, who are a minority in the U.S., by the way. They're just the ones making the most noise right now. Look at what, you, look at what we've allowed them to get away with in the last year. Women's rights, LGBTQ rights, and soon likely civil rights for ethnic minorities, all being stripped away, and for what? Greed and power. They waited and maneuvered the American public for the last 50 years, bided their time, made little forays, and backed off. Remember the Tea Party insurrection attempt back in 2010? And now they pounced when the stars aligned just right with their appointments and confirmations of these extreme right justices. If you add someone like Donald Trump into the mix, the U.S. will cease to exist in its current form. Although Mitch McConnell is likely sweating bullets now because he knows that no one can control King Donald. They found that out the hard way last time, and he doesn't want to go through that again. Mitch and company need someone they can utterly control, and Donald Trump isn't it. I, for one, hope Donald Trump burns out the American collective voters before the end of this year, if not sooner. If he keeps on with this tired old spiel at every rally, he just might. The largely rural voters, who are his base, want to be entertained. They will vote for the best candidate that can keep them entertained and make them forget their miserable lives for an afternoon, just as much as any evangelical minister does on a Sunday morning. Then money rolls around and it's time for another week of economic misery, what Kit and Donald could care less about behind closed doors. For those of us with any common sense, who do we want for, to be president? Joe Biden is trying, to, trying, but he doesn't have enough testosterone to fight anymore. He has good ideas, but can't seem to find a way to enforce them. He doesn't seem to want to rock the boat hard enough to dump out, dump out all the bullies steering us in the wrong direction. The United States needs a strong man to rally behind, and so far, all we have are mouthpieces without any substantial plans, other than to strip away our democracy and turn it into a white Christian theocracy. Maybe someday we'll see a real presidential contender from the center-left who will get in with their fists up and stand up to the bullies on the right. We can only hope. So now, that's enough politics. I, As I promised earlier, I've got a humorous blog article for you. And I'm going to add a little bit of humor to this. It's, it's a satirical blog piece from someone who specializes in off-brand humor. He posted a funny commercial last Friday that I'm going to read a part of. It's very apropos to what's going on around the world these days, from the Tories in England, Australia, and Canada to the GOP here in the U.S. I hope it brings you a smile and some thought about, and a little bit about what you think, where you are in the world and wherever you are in it. So hang on a minute, let me bring it up and I'll read it to you. This article is entitled HateMate.com. 
Find the Ideal Scapegoat from the Comfort of Your Own Home by Michael Campy. Everyone is busy these days. We get it. With the kids and the jobs and the housework and the gardening and the shopping, there just doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day. That's why we started HateMate.com. It made no sense to us that busy people like yourselves should have to spend valuable time hating someone that you might end up liking later on. With our comprehensive and proprietary profile algorithm, we can match you with someone you can hate for a lifetime. No more wasted time hating people for no reason or hating the wrong people. Our services may already made thousands of lifetime hate mates possible. With HateMate.com, you can find a person or a group to hate from the comfort of your own home. No more messy meetings in supermarkets, bars, or parking lots. Just answer a few simple questions, fill out the profile, and you'll be well on your way to finding that special person or subgroup that you will love to hate. With the sheer number of people and groups that are waiting for you, it's sometimes difficult to single one out. We've got you covered. Using the most advanced computer systems based in the industry, we can help you navigate the rocky waters of finding that special other. Here are some testimonials from satisfied hate mate users. Now, I'm not going to read these. You can read these when you read the rest of the article. And I'm going to let you read the rest of this here in the newsletter. It goes on to talk about more about why and good thing. Again, it's a good commercial. And it's very funny as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think you should read it. So that's all I've got for you this week. I hope I enlighten you with my stories and some of my thoughts. I'm going to close this show out with a weekly challenge, as I usually do. If with all the articles I presented to you today, and there's a little bit of political stuff, if you live here in the United States, you should really start thinking about the future. We've got a whole lot going on, like the heat dome that's going on. It's, it's a precursor to what's more to come. You know, as I've talked about in previous episodes, climate change is here. Evidence is everywhere around you. You just have, you don't even have to look very hard. And the other part of that is racism is coming front and center, uh, more so because of Pride Month that we just, you know, we just finished. But with all the stuff that the Supreme Court laid on us last week, it's going to be more front and center going forward. So my challenge to you is what is important to you? Do you want to get along with your other humans and make this world a little bit better for all of us? Or do you want to continue to hate and, you know, be just hate people? I mean, why do you want to hate people? I mean, it's, it's one thing if somebody decides they want to get in your face for no reason. You know, you might want to be a little angry at them. And I know I would be. But there's no reason to hate anybody for any specific reason just because. As I mentioned in that one article, misinformation is everywhere. And it's up to us to weed that out, learn for ourselves what's true and what's not true, and decide for ourselves what's right for the human species. So with that, I'm going to let you go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And I'm going to close out with my usual message here. Have a, have a really good week. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of On Crombieha. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now 
although some may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crombieha Podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L, in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree together during our time together. As a Shahe, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you some news from outside world, or maybe a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think for a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Schlange which means goodbye for now in Irish.